G'day, you're listening to the Virtual Staff Room and this is episode 39, Scientific Curiosity. Hi and thanks for joining us once again, Chris Betcher here, you're listening to the Virtual Staff Room podcast. Uh, Occasionally I really plan these podcasts and I organise speakers to talk on particular topics and other times it's just really open-ended and I just basically get on Twitter or Skype and say who wants to have a chat and uh, that's exactly what I did for this episode, just threw the doors open and said who wants to come in and uh, had a couple of wonderful teachers jump onto the the invitation today. We had uh, Tim Kong from New Zealand who who was the first to put his hand up, so good on you Tim. We also had Britt Gow from uh, Victoria who also jumped in and, and, and wanted to be part of it. Uh, John Pierce, uh, a mate of mine, also from Victoria in Australia. And finally, Lee Zietz, who is a, uh, a, a professor of uh, education in uh, Iowa. So it's a pretty mixed bag. We've got primary teachers and university professors and everything in the middle for this one. Um, the topic that emerged was science. John Pierce uh, was a science teacher, primary school science teacher, and is now a primary science consultant. Um, and Brit teaches science, and of course, um, uh, uh, Tim has to teach science as part of what he does in the primary curriculum. And Lee, being the sort of person who teaches teachers how to teach, um, also took an interest in it. And it was a really interesting discussion. It went into all sorts of other areas about the nature of teaching, and um, even if you're not actually that interested in science uh, as as such, um, I think there's a lot of really useful cross-curricular advice and ideas in this episode so um yeah hope you enjoy it uh it's um an interesting chat i shall leave you with it here you go with tim and brit and lee and john oh and me hello ah that's better yeah 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 Yeah, gotcha excellent i don't know what you did but it worked no i just restarted uh, the stuff. Okay. So. <laughs> All right, okay. so let's bring. Uh, now I don't know who you know here. Britt Gow. Do you know Britt? No, I don't think so. You do now. Yes. <laughs> hello. Britt. Tim. Hello, Britt. Tim. Britt. Hi, Tim. I've you? just added you to my contacts. Good. Very nice. Excellent. Now let me also drag in here. Britt, you probably know John Pierce, Mister Pierce. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm very good. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. That's good. Um, Tim, meet uh, John. Meet Tim. How are you, Tim? Uh, hello, John. And Britt. You know Britt? Probably bought, uh, yeah, uh, I do know Britt. We uh, have met. You've met? Yep, yep. Okay. At um, um, the Slide to Learn. Oh, that's right. Yes, okay. terrific. There you go. Yeah. All right. Now, also bring in this fella here. This is where it gets really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> good. There's a few others sitting on the sidelines as well. If they come back and say, yes, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> Hello, mate. How are you doing? G'day, mate. G'day, mate. <laughs> How are you good. doing, Lee? Pretty good. How about you? Good, good. Uh, I don't know who knows who here, but uh, Lee, meet John and Tim and Britt. Hello, Hi, John and Tim. Hi, hi there. How are you doing? Hello. And where are you from? Uh, I'll, go, I'll go first. Uh, I'm, I'm from Victoria in Australia. Is this John? Yep, this is John. Sorry, yep. yep. Should have said okay. the name. Yep. Okay, uh, not just from Victoria, but from the beachside suburbs of Victoria. <laughs> I got to say, Ooh, is that is that what was in your video? Uh, no, no, not quite. No, but I did get to stay with John a couple of weeks ago uh, when we passed through, and it was lovely. Thank you very That's much. It. Even better today. 
Uh, Sadly. <laughs> of course, it's, it's negative six up here in Iowa. <laughs> and that, that's, that's Fahrenheit. <laughs> uh, serious? Serious, negative six. Well, that's like minus 30 or something. I know it is. I mean, it, we're, we're talking, it's, it's well past freezing up here. Wow. They say it's going to be hitting negative 12 tomorrow. Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Yeah. You'll be starting to measure in Kelvins next. <laughs> I'm going to have to. It's going to sound a lot better. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, Tim, you want to introduce yourself? Holy, hello, John. Hello, Britt. Uh, my name's Tim. I'm in Wellington, New Zealand, which currently right now is quite sunny and not too windy. But mm. it's supposed to be a blowing a gale later, so that'll be back to normal. <laughs> and uh, while we're doing introductions, Britt? Yes, hi. Uh, I'm from Hawksdale between Warrnambool and Hamilton in sunny southwest Victoria. Oh, you actually mm. live in Hawksdale, do you? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, I thought you taught there, but like everyone else seems to, they drive up from Warrnambool or something. No, well, I, uh, we're on a farm, so we're about uh, 12Ks from school which is um, just a nice travelling distance. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Um, Lee, you didn't tell us where you are. Oh, yes, you did. Iowa. Oh, I'm, yes, you did. I'm sitting here in the middle of, of the cold in, in uh, Cedar Falls, Iowa. I'm a, an associate professor of instructional technology at the University of Northern Iowa. Nice. Hey, thanks for coming in, guys. This is Occasionally, you know, I plan these things and I actually organise who's going to speak and what and what the topic is, and other times I just... Pick a handful of interesting people and go, let's talk about whatever comes up. And this is one well, of those times. Honoured to be included. No worries. Um, I realise you may not be able to stay, so if you need to go, uh, that's fine. No worries. Okay. Cool. Um, John, you had a topic in mind, and I think, um, Tim, you jotted down a couple of ideas as well. Yeah, well, well given that um, I, I know of the work of Brit on her blog and, and everything else and that sort of stuff, and we share sort of general interest in the um, area of science. Because, uh, um, Brit, you're a science uh, teacher too, right? I am, science and maths in middle years mm-hmm. and uh, VCE biology and environmental science. What do you teach, Tim? Uh, I'm a primary teacher in New Zealand, so um, sort of the whole lot, really. Right. <laughs> Perfect. What year group? Uh, I teach year seven and eight, so they're 12, 13. Okay, so that's, well, that's high school here. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're just our year eight is sort of the last year of primary, so they're just right. off to high school in year nine. So. And then we go and feed them all out to uh, institutions like Lee's. That's the one. Send them away. Well, I got to tell you, Tim, my hat's off to you. I mean, working with middle school students is, is definitely a challenge. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the point where their brain stops working, but their body doesn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, can I, before we get started, can I just say there's one thing I've never understood about schools, and that is why we have to be the accreditation body for universities. How come we structure our entire K-12 school system around figuring out what to accredit kids so they can get into a university somewhere? I've never understood why universities don't do the accreditation on the way in instead of schools doing it on the way out. Well, an awful lot of them um, do it by interview and and that sort of process now. There's less and less accord given to, especially into uh, teaching and that sort of stuff. They they look at uh, the results as as, as a guide. Yeah, it's good. There's lots of other things. Mm. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that, you know, we keep talking about, you know, change in the, in the classroom and making sure that all this stuff is going to be a big difference. And um, what happens is that I, I talk to my, my teachers who are in the classroom, in you know, the K-12 classroom, and I say, so what are you doing to change things? And they say, well, frankly, what we're doing is we have to teach 
two different kinds of kids. The ones that aren't going to go to college, we can make them as creative as we want. But the ones that go to college, those are the ones that have to be able to fit into the mold that you guys yeah. use in, in the college. Now, the College of Education doesn't necessarily have that. But, it, you know, when you go into chemistry and all that sort of thing, what they have to do is they have to prepare them for the way in which that's going to be done. Otherwise, they do them a disservice. Mm-hmm. So is it all? It's kind of a you know cart before the horse or you know chicken and egg situation as to who's going to make the first change. Yeah, this interesting one. Anyway, better not get me started on that hobby horse. Um, John, uh, you want to want to come back, flip back to your idea, science. Yeah, yeah. I've um, been associated with um, Science Teachers Association in Victoria for quite a few years and uh, been off to um, national conferences and, and that. And um, I've battled my head against the uh, proverbial brick wall um, in terms of trying to get um, the, the whole thing of Web2 and blogs and, and all that bits and pieces going for yonks now. I've been up to uh, meetings and I've been actually been on the executive uh, for a little while and, and uh, trying to promote this notion, you know, that as an association we should be putting it up and, and uh, getting teachers involved and getting students involved and, and all lots of stuff and it still doesn't take and it's perhaps not um, just science. Uh, I'm a member of a couple of other associations too and, and uh, the professional associations apart from notably the history teachers in uh, Victoria and a couple of others. Uh, well, very well organised I've got to say. Extremely, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they just don't just hasn't taken um, and you know apart from a couple of luminaries in the, in the science area as far as teaching um, Andrew Dash um, and Britt and um, Adrian Cam and, and a couple of others uh, again it's, it's just not taking and yet these are the these you know history um, science and that sort of stuff that should be the very essence of, of where all this uh, technology could be used so, so brilliantly because so it Brit, enables liberation. If you're in the classroom every day and you're teaching science, like, is I don't know, what's your response? Um, I'm, you're just getting a bit mumbled there, Chris, but <clears throat> I, I'd agree with John. There is a, a lack of um, science teachers using Web2 technology and probably one of the reasons I started blogging was that I couldn't find a lot of um, good science uh, educational stuff. There's there's plenty of content but applying that in the classroom was, was somewhat lacking. So um, I've really enjoyed being part of that uh, push with Web2 tools and I don't think the subject matter is important. I think um, it can't be any subject and I've learnt that from Anne. Uh, you can use Web tools in the classroom um, for, is it just you know, so primary, second, doesn't matter. Is it just that, like, when you say to teachers, uh, here's all this neat stuff you can do and here's all these neat tools you can use to do it, that, that it, there's so much content that it becomes a problem trying to figure out how it fits in? Uh, content is a big part of, of the science course, but there are so many ways you can get that, that content across. And if you can excite the kids in the way that they present their work or the way they can um, learn more, uh, then Web2 tools are one of the best ways to do that. Um, And, yeah, the variety of tools, I think, is what uh, some teachers get overwhelmed with. Um, And, you know, they're used to doing the – presenting the content in in their own way and they find it difficult to transfer across to using Web2 tools perhaps. I had but to it, are, are we are we Sorry. are we putting the are we putting the 
the tools in front of the content, if we say, well, we need to use the tools, we need to use the technology. When you guys teach your science, are you use, do you do it from the book, you know, chapter one, chapter two? Or do you use an inquiry approach where you pose a problem and have them figure it out and then reflect on it? How's that uh, done? I, I think uh, I, I, in the primary area, which is, which is where I, I usually come from, most teachers um, are more comfortable with uh, just throwing out a bit of, a bit of content. Um, but the, the new national curriculum in Australia, anyway, at least um, has, has put the whole notion of investigations and student-centred investigations um, right out back in front again where it should be. Um, but um, even, even when presenting content and so forth, uh, too much of it doesn't um, doesn't pay heed to the to the amazing amount of resources that are out there now, and there are lots of other different ways to uh, to work with it. Like um, if you go on YouTube now and, and that sort of stuff, you, there's just so many so many videos that could be used to stimulate and do the sorts of things. Um, that um, content really is is not the the problem; it's the discussion around the content. Right. Well, that's what I was thinking, is that, you know, if, if the process, the inquiry approach, I mean, what we need to do is we need, I've been doing a lot of thinking and reading and, and work on this recently, and, you know, we need to take a look at this technology, not as a technology, you know, the one-to-one -one computer or something, computer initiative or something. It's not a technology tool, but we need to look at it as the cognitive tool, yes, where it simply definitely. becomes part of the process that you use for problem solving. Indeed, and yeah. In some cases, you know, it, it, it's a matter of going out and finding things and bringing them back in. I mean, the thing that I love to do, I love to have my students have uh, computers sitting in their laps open while we're having discussions. Because the problem that we run into is if you have a discussion and you don't have any other kind of feedback or, or, or feed in, I guess, if you have a discussion, then what happens is the discussion is limited to what they should have read last night in preparation for this discussion <laughs> and anything else that they have, and yeah, which they didn't. And then they get into this thing of, well, I believe this and I believe that. What I want to see is I want to see that when we're having discussions that the students are going out and say, well, you know, over here in, in, over here in, in Wikipedia, it says that such and such is true. And then we can say, well, is, do you think that's possible? And we, and we get a lot of students who are, you know, maybe even running a back channel where you've got people who are, are, are trying to make it into an active learning process yeah. rather than just trying to spit the stuff back up on a test. And, and there in the, um, the, the process, again, has, has got preeminence. The, it's the argument that's more important than the content. Uh, you've right. still paid heed to the content. You've still got reference points for the content. Yeah. You can still argue, but it's, it's the actual having to put yourself out there and say, look, I reckon such and such, such and such, and justifying your position. And, and, uh, and that's the nub of science. That's, yeah. that's where science is in, in society. And whether you're arguing about climate change or the extinction of a species is, is irrelevant. It's the, the quality of the arguments and the, the rational uh, thinking and, that goes behind it that matters, it, isn't it? And the stuff that you can back it up with. Yeah. Right, you know, in New South Wales, where the state that I come from, um, we, we introduced a thing several years ago where uh, computer skills were embedded right across the curriculum, and a lot of schools took the view that okay, we're going <coughs> to divide it up, and you know, the English teachers, well, you can do word processing because that fits really nicely with what you guys do, and you know, the math teachers would do the spreadsheets and so on. Anyway, the school I happened to be at at the time, the uh, it was decided that the science teachers would take on databases, and the number of science teachers that looked at me and went. 
how are we going to do that? What, what, what are we going to use a database for in science? And it's like, <laughs> isn't science about collecting data and analysing it? Like, isn't that really all science is? It's like, it just astounded me that that was such a, you know, a disconnect that you would see, um, you know, the manipulation of data is, but why would we do that in science? <laughs> yeah, but, but that, that's also a product of the fact that um, a really um, easy to get, easy to access and work with, and I've used the word access there, haven't I? Uh, easy to uh, apply <laughs> databases Uh-oh. simply are not around. Yeah. You know, there there were a couple yeah. early on, and they they withered on the vine under the, um, the the power of Microsoft and, and access and and that sort of stuff. And you know, I still can't get my head around access. So. I got news for you, John. When when you leave school and work with databases, they don't get simpler. They don't choose it. Yeah, yeah, I know <laughs> they don't get they don't get simpler. But but as an entree, uh, as a, as a way of thinking. Uh, you know, it's just that the notion of working with something that, that is an easier tool to to work with to, to build up a simple database so that you get the idea. Well, hang yeah, on, this exactly. this is uh, th- that 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 just isn't covered. And you know, and it, you know, and databases drive everything we do now. Our credit cards, our everything that we everything. It's, yeah. it's got a database stuck in the back, and yeah. nobody knows about it. It's a bit like microwaves. You know, we we just turn the dial or we, uh, press the buttons. We better let Tim get a word in edgewise here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tim, you you work with you seven and eight kids. So yep. you'd be butting up against a lot of this sort of business um, with uh, attitudes to science and integration of technology into science, wouldn't you? Um, a little bit, yeah. I mean, one of the things at, at our school, we, we have a science fair each year for year seven and eights, and that's um, uh, a really good opportunity. It's like a, a four- to six-week project where they have to present and put something together, and then it gets judged, and um, you know the top ones go on to the, the regionals and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's interesting. I mean, the inquiry model is what leads, and sort of an integrated approach is what leads most of our yeah. curriculum development across. Well, that. I was just going to say that because you guys are in a, a unique position in New Zealand because your curriculum is, I think, probably one of the most advanced in the world, and it's pretty much entirely um, inquiry based, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 contextually based. I mean, individual schools can create what's necessary and uh, relevant to their uh, their school, really, in terms of what their a needs. Yeah, um, which is fantastic. I mean, I've taught in two schools and, and very different needs, and so you create very different um, lessons and, and, and you know to, to meet those needs. Um, I think one of the things we do here, and we at the junior end of the school, they just call it wondering. That's not even inquiry, <laughs> um, but it's fantastic to watch the junior kids, and they'll, you know, they'll if they're doing you know say the beach or stuff, they'll just do walks along the beach, and we'll, we'll they'll be looking at shells, and then then they're um, you know, looking at the parts of the bodies and all that kind of stuff and colours and, and, and I guess what I, I really enjoy about it is it's, you know, I look at my little two-year-old and she's constantly wondering um, and sometimes I think as a teacher I think, oh, I'm going to, you're going to go through a system that beats all that out of you. Why are we doing that? <laughs> uh, well, so, so, Tim, um, you're, what you're saying is you take your, your students out on the beach and you guys walk down the, the, uh, the beach and look for things, and then you start using that as the basis for your science, or how how is that implemented in your schools? Well, we could, for example, say we did. Um, um, just think, two years ago, we did a unit. My, my school's called Sea Tune, and it's, we just called it Sea Tune by the Sea. And literally, it's a two-minute walk to the beach. Um, and we sort of uh, implemented it across, rolled it out across the whole school. And at the junior end, it was just sort of real wondering and uh, inquire, you know, looking at parts of animals and parts of things. At the senior end, we were looking at. Um, you know, change and, and effects on the environment, and, and we did uh, we did like a beach cleanup, and we were looking at um, 
you know, the, a little bit of the geology and looking at how, you know, the impact of plastics and we kind of, you know, looking at allowing the kids to look at more of a, at a holistic level. Um, but the context for it was we live by the sea. What are the effects in the sea and how are we studying those things? So at some ends it was like real specific um, mm-hmm. sort of, and I guess, you know, looking at how, how to ask questions. Well, okay, well, we're seeing all this plastic. Well, what, what, what would that mean? You know, and then so there's some of them took off into a, um, you know, more of an environmental aspect. Uh, and some of them were looking at sort of, well, you know, how, how the, we're looking at the coastlines and stuff and how that's changed and then that sort of led off into sort of a climate change thing and sort of the weather issues and things like that. Um, and, and it allows them, I suppose, to, I mean, where I like my kids to leave uh, and students as they head off to, to high school is, is to have that capacity still to wonder and still to ask a question um, but in behind it have some real, uh, you know, rigorous ways of examining those questions in terms of, you know, well, how am I planning this or uh, how am I, where have I gone for my research and, and what have I found out, similar to what you've talked about in terms of having back channels, Lee, and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, uh, now, uh, what, uh, sorry. Well, what, what do you, um, how do you assess it? How, how do you, I mean, you, you go through it, it's all open-ended, and now, now you get to the point where you have to assess it and identify how question. well they're doing this. <laughs> I yeah. know, guys. I hate to bring reality back into this. <laughs> oh, no, that's cool. No, it we really often, bothers me, too. We often do. Uh, I mean, one of our key things, I suppose, is, is pre-tests and post-tests, where you're just tracking what they've learned, and they're quite a simple way of doing it um, in, in terms of snapshotting what they've learned over the unit. Um, we, don't, um, we don't have, I mean, because it's at primary level, we don't have anything. I mean, in terms of the, the curriculum levels, we can – and I don't have it here in front of me, so I can't recite it all to you. Um, but what you're saying is that they can, um, you know, you, they can collate or collect this sort of information and they can organize this or they can make statements based on this. So you can look at all those kinds of things. Um, it's, I suppose it, I mean, if you've, if you've seen and read our curriculum <laughs> at the New Zealand one, as Chris said, it is quite advanced and yet at the same time it's quite, um, it's, it's advanced in its simplicity. It's mm. advanced because yeah. of what it doesn't force you to do. Yeah. And so that, that question of assessment is always a different, difficult one in the sense that it isn't a, a, a checkbox list. Checkbox list. Um, but it, it's important to recognize that what they're doing is, is, is relevant and, is, <laughs> and has obviously learned something. Otherwise, we're not doing our jobs. Mm-hmm. I think that's the secret with the, with the science curriculum. Surely the secret's got to be to start with wonder and curiosity, to start with kids wanting to know about something, and then you develop a scientific process around that. I know I'm dreaming now, and you know, as if it would actually ever work like that. But like, surely that's just obvious. just on the on the on the point of the assessment stuff and everything else. One of the, the joys of working with um, any of these, you know, a blog or a wiki and that sort of stuff. This stuff is all date stamped. It it it, it Provides you a record of, uh, and if you go back and you can, and you, you're the administrator or that sort of stuff, and you can look in and you can actually see whether the, the students have changed their thinking. You, um, if if they get into the habit of putting stuff into these into these repositories or whatever, whether it's that or it's uh, um, um, the, the uh, TypePad or something like that, or um, not TypePad, you know, yeah, or Etherpad, um, or things like that. You can actually go back and and track in on the thinking, which you can't do if they just present you with this whacking grade A three um, piece of stuff. 
or a, or you know a, a PowerPoint or something like that. Um, so I'd argue that if uh, students are using these sorts of tools, that you actually can look at a different level of assessment rather than the, rather than simply the product at the end or the content. And so you're looking at even, formative assessment yeah, as well it, as summative. Yeah, and it's even better if you actually ask the students to involve themselves in the whole process too. So that then then if you use the commentary function in some of these tools. Uh, or the, the discussion functions or whatever and that sort of stuff, the, 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 the chat functions, then getting the kids to comment on each other becomes part of the assessment expectation, but it also feeds into a more critical examination of what's going on. So, John, you're kind of proposing there that the blog then becomes the sort of the portfolio or the, the e-portfolio or the ongoing record of what actually is happening in that class? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blog, so every uh, kid has a blog is what you're kind of uh, Well, from. yeah, or, or, it's, or it's, you know, or it's really, you know, just go back and uh, you don't have to go through the WordPress, WordPress uh, once, just, you know, rip up a posterous one. Um, and then, you know, it can be last for a couple of weeks and you throw it away that we, we start to look at um, some of these things as a little bit more ephemeral uh, and to the point, you know, you, um, you get up a, a, an etherpad or etherpad or something like that and that becomes the, the thing for this particular discussion. We, we throw it out as a PDF and we've got a record of it if we want but otherwise it just, just disappears into the ether. But we can look at, as I said, much more than just what's simply written in there, but how it's put in there and what sort of stuff, uh, and then encourage this discussion that sits beside it. Or we use a group of tools. Um, we we set up a tiny chat or a today's meet or something like that alongside. Actually, um, I'm looking in here too. I'm, I'm conscious we, we, we're cutting Brit off an awful lot, but I'm looking on Brit's um, uh, blog here and her international energy debate on Illuminate posts um, sort of, encompasses some of the sort of stuff that I'm trying to talk to there, I think. So So maybe Britt could talk about that. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, John, because it was a really exciting project that involved uh, four schools, for, well, two in America and one in Tassie with uh, Dion Scanlon and Hawksdale, of course. And uh, it was a huge project that involved uh, groups of students working together uh, a few from each school on specific sources of energy. Um, they were in year eight, my students, but they were working with year six, sevens and eights all together. And it culminated in an Illuminate meeting in which students from each energy group represented their team and put forth a case for their different um, energy source, whether it was oil or geothermal or wind or solar, whatever. Um, and many had not used Illuminate before, but uh, the confidence with which they spoke and uh, the comments in the uh, chat function um, from students who I probably wouldn't have picked up on that they'd done as much research as they had uh, were, were just fantastic. I was really blown away. So um, even though it seemed it to drag on and it seemed like some of the students were wasting a bit of time, the end products and the uh, communication between students was fantastic. So the content really took a, a back, you know, that they did learn a lot about their specific energy source, but they were able to debate about uh, other sources of energy as well. So I was really pleased with it the wikis that they produced um, and that was an ongoing record of um, their research as well as uh, the communication between which some of them picked up and they started Skyping each other and emailing each other. So, um, yeah, that was a good success for a year eight class. 
so they started to take charge of the the project and and the tools and that sort of stuff uh, and and um, use them in spite of you rather than with you well, sort they, of thing. They had to really because um it was such a big project involving so many students that um we could monitor uh, the the wiki chats and the um uh, the voice threads that they put up. But and of course we were monitoring the Illuminate session that was uh, moderated by myself and some senior students at Hawksdale. Um, but for them to get all the information they needed, they had to communicate be- between themselves, sort of offline and outside our control, which they did very responsibly. Um, so I was really pleased with that. Looks like a great project. And how long was that project? Uh it was probably five weeks um, from wow. – uh, yeah, it was a long time to spend on, on energy. Um, <laughs> but the other skills and the other um, resources they used made up for that, that time that we used in class. Well, it's that whole thing about whether you want to make it so it's a, a mile wide and an inch deep or you want to make it a mile deep and – who knows how wide? Where you really get into the depth of it, and you turn it into something where you're you're building skills that'll um, generate over into other uh, activities. Yeah, I'm glad I did it at the end of the year. I think um, by the end of the year, <laughs> I was confident that they'd developed enough of those skills to use in the in the project. Um, but it's you really need to get to know your kids and what they're capable of before you can uh, expect them to succeed in that kind of um, inquiry-driven project. So, Britt, something I see a lot of is, uh, you know, you'll occasionally come up with a really good, interesting idea for a project and an interesting use of the tools to sort of help achieve those goals. What was the quality of the scientific thinking like? Uh, Well, because we weren't doing a experiment in class, it was research on different types of renewable energy, although we did incorporate some, you know, make your own torch and that kind of thing from time to time. Um, It was more a research project than a true uh, experimental process. Using, you know, um, I I suppose you'd call it appropriate or high-level scientific language and were they using, um, you know, appropriate scientific thinking? Was was the scientific thinking evident in what they were doing here as well as obviously the you know the the um uh the motivation and the enjoyment of doing the project i think there was varying levels of scientific thinking going on as in any class there's going to be a great variety um and there were some students that excelled um but the students that with low literacy skills or um, they were able to find out things in different ways. Um, so they were able to use video and, um, yes. yep, yeah. rather yeah. than... Because I think that's going to be the... That, that, in terms of getting the message about the use of educational technology across to the greater teaching profession, I think the convincing argument that they're going to need to see always across every discipline, not just science, is, yeah, that was good and it motivated the kids and they were engaged and all of that, but did they actually engage with the the content and the ideas and the type of thinking that was relevant to my content area? 
And that's always the thing. And, and yeah. teachers will say to me, yeah, the kids enjoyed blogging, but their writing didn't improve. Said, well, mm. I think there's probably a whole bunch of reasons why that happens um, that has nothing to do with, you know. Yeah. Well, that, that's, just, that's just like when they used to say, uh, well, since I've got a word processor, it must mean my, my writing. writing. <laughs> you know, and, and the whole thing is, it, 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 like you said, it, it's all a matter as to how, what kind of feedback they get, how it gets um, responded to. I mean, I, I, I love the story where they talk about a, a fifth grade girl. She comes walking into the teacher and hands her, you know, three o'clock and hands her a, a paper. She says, what's that? She said, well, I'm sorry it's late, but this is my, my paper. Well, you know, we're supposed to, you're supposed to put all these things up on the blog. And the girl kind of looks at her and squints and says, oh, well, then it's going to be a couple days late. And she said, how come? And she said, well, it's not good enough to go on my blog. <laughs> you know, and that, that's the whole thing as to whether, whether they're in a situation where um, their, their partners and, and their classmates are willing to give them positive feedback or, or, you know, constructive feedback. And it becomes a collaborative means of learning. Hmm. Brooke, I'm interested, did any of the students come up with something in amongst the, the stuff that they discovered that, that, uh, that actually um, was better than the stuff that you thought of? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I exactly. don't know everything about the 12 different forms of energy they studied and they were able to, you know, as a VC environmental yep. science teacher, I know um, to some degree, but they were able to come up with local examples um, and... Yep. They talked about the advantages and the disadvantages, um, and yeah, they came up with some really interesting information. Some great pictures of um, the wind uh, turbines up on the roofs in the buildings in Tasmania, which my kids were fascinated by because we've got a, a wind farm going up in paddocks, you know, close That's to the right. school. This is year yeah. eight, isn't it? Year eight, yeah, yep, okay. yep, and yeah. younger for Dion Scanlon's class. So. Um, yeah, I think what Lee pointed out, it, it doesn't negate your responsibility as a teacher just by putting them on computers. Um, you still have to know your students and know what they need to know and how they're going to get there. Um, you can't just let them loose and expect them to find their way. They need guidance and they need um, feedback, I think, which is really easy to do on uh, blogs and wikis and uh, you can give it and they can get it instantly even if they're working outside school hours. It's interesting. I had a conversation this morning before we recorded this with um, uh, Linda Yolis and Kathleen Morris who do a lot of blogging with their kids and talking about this idea of, you know, has it improved the literacy of what the kids are writing and their ability to <laughs> construct an argument. Um, so, you know, that'll be a separate podcast. But uh, it's kind of interesting for me looking at these two conversations back to back because it's the same argument running – it's the same thread running through this. Yeah, one of the, the, the things that – the reason I asked that question was the, that um, uh, it, if the students are beginning to um, identify content, then for teachers who are content afraid, averse, because and, and this is one of the things that a lot of primary school teachers will say, we don't teach the science because we don't understand the content, the background. You've got to provide us with that. And when we do, uh, having having done a fair bit of this sort of stuff, uh, when you do provide them with the content, they, they go, oh, well, now we're going to have a, a, an experiment, an investigation to do. So you give them that and then it all just becomes too hard because there's too much stuff to deal with. <laughs> uh, but if, right. if you could... We want if it to be prescriptive but not that prescriptive. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But if you can circumvent, it, and this is one of the another one of the, the 
the things that I'm trying to push with with uh, teachers and the, and the science teachers association is you know the content if that can be freed up with the students actually identifying and working with the content um, and um, providing it then it leaves you as the teacher back in your role your proper role of moderating and uh, questioning content questioning the, the way that the students have found the content questioning the way that they um, uh, interpret it and uh, and argue for and against it and so forth and that, that's the that's the part that's the bit of teaching teaching is is around how it's dealt with and that not well, providing it not um, yeah, trying I, to entertain and and things like that I've never been a fan of the way high schools divide things up into little boxes called subjects and you know right. and segregate the curriculum but I have to say that when you're taught science by a teacher who's actually passionate about science as opposed to maybe a you know a primary school teacher who teaches science because it's in the syllabus and they have to, but they're not really that interested in it themselves. There's a world of difference between... But you know what it is? It, it, it doesn't have to do with the topic area. What it has to do with is it has to do with the pedagogy, the way in which people are, are, are teaching. And how do you learn to teach? You learn to teach by... Being a student in that situation. Exactly. I mean, what, that, what always as happens. As an individual, though, like if you've got a passion for the music and the performing arts and you're not at all interested in science, then you're obviously going to teach those things slightly differently. I don't think you can avoid it. Oh, I agree. But I'm still saying that when, when we take it. a look at, at process, though, I mean, obviously, I mean, if there's something that, you know, if, if you're passionate about science, there's so many things about science that you know that the, the typical Joe wouldn't know. Um, and and you know and you're able to make all those connections. You know, one, a superb science, social studies teacher is somebody who can who can tell you about European history like a soap opera. You know, as to how how these things are, are working together. And um, but a lot of it has to do with, as I said, on, on how teachers learn to teach. And one of the things I'm doing right now is in my class. I'm like I said, I'm I've got a class which is a. Uh, I don't know, it's uh, the second class they take in, a, in an ed tech minor here at University of Northern Iowa. And what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm completely redoing the class so we're not talking about it. We're, we're actually learning about and doing project-based learning and that sort of thing. And I don't think people can actually teach using that method unless they've, they've done it, mm. unless they've been the student. So Because they always say that you know if you get stuck and you don't know how to teach, you're always going to go back to the way you were taught. <laughs> Now, speaking of that, do you find, like this is an interesting question because you deal with pre-service teachers, that the, the people coming through the system, coming out of school and saying, I want to be a teacher, so they go through university to learn to be a teacher, is, is there a lot of preconception challenging going on where, where you're having to get people to unlearn what they think teaching is about because they've been in a school for you know, 18 years and they, they've seen it? Oh, absolutely. We have, uh, I mean, we are in Iowa. Now, I have to tell you, in Iowa, we have 3, 000, 3 million people and 15 million pigs. And so it is, <laughs> we have actually have five, five pigs for every, every person. Uh, New Zealand and, can um, bet you with sheep. Coming here, I bet you can. <laughs> but, you know, we, a lot of rural areas, you know, many of our, our kids come from very small towns. And so in, in most cases, you know, we're, we're not that heavily uh, integrated either. And so we find kids that come in and they think, you know, because when, when we have them create units and things like that, we ask them to address the diversity issues. You know, what, what, what is your class going to be like? What are the special needs that the students have? And they'll sit there and point blank say, oh, well, they're all going to be, oh, they're all going to be white and there aren't going to be any special needs. 
Well, I mean, this is something that we do have to bring out that, yes, there are. There's plenty of special needs, you know, things are are integrating. So from that level, I think that what happens is if you start, and and many of them just want to go back to their hometown and teach, you know, and so, and there's so many aspects of the world, you know, the global concept that, that they need to get involved with. And I think more and more they are because they're getting more access to it through the use of technology and through, um, well, just everything that, that they deal with on a daily basis. When it comes to, and then we end up with, um, I hate to say it, but it seems like the history teachers are the worst. And that yeah. is, you know, when we have, we have them create their own fantasy classroom and that isn't quite as bad anymore, but you know, the technology in this fantasy classroom was a, a lectern and an overhead. I won't you know? comment. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you use? <laughs> no, 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 but I, I work with many history teachers. You know, and it's all it's all about their stories and things like that. But the, you know, it it isn't something where they are having the students experience, and, and much like what 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 um, you were talking about, uh, Brittany, it was the whole idea of going out exploring and having the the excitement of, of making the discoveries and then trying to make sense out of them. We had an interesting project this year with some pre-service students teachers from Ballarat uh, do virtual teaching. So they came to the school for two weeks and then they're off campus for a week and they Skyped in and did Illuminate sessions with our students. Uh, And it was a great success. They um, learned so much about Web2 tools, um, but especially about uh, that virtual teaching world uh, that it really put them in good stead for their teaching, which they start this year. Well, I know we have uh, one of the things, I use Skype a lot, much like what we're doing right now. And I'll bring people in from all over the world. And in fact, one time, oh, there's some guy down in, in Australia that we brought in for a conference I was doing. I, I don't know. Do you remember what his name was? Um, it, it'll, it'll come to me, Chris. Anyway, uh, but we bring people in from all over the world. And um, what I find is that the students... Um, just find that it's you know it's something they never even considered. Now the irony of this is that they'll they'll Skype with their their friends all the time. Mm. Um, one of the things that we do is uh, I'm taking eight um, practicing teachers over to the flat classroom project uh, conference in Beijing next month, and we were able to bring Julie Lindsay and Vicky Davis in uh, through using Skype, and you know it was one of these things where they they got to. They, they, when, when they found out about Vicky and, and, and Julie, they, these were their heroes. You know, <laughs> These were teachers Terrific. who were doing so much and changing, changing education so much. Here they had a chance to talk to them face-to-face. Fantastic. Can I, can I just jump in and say I think um, of course. one thing that we should be telling young teachers, and I, and I say this as someone who did it myself, is after you finish university – Go away and do some living. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. And then come back. I came back to teaching at 30, uh, and it, 30, 31, uh, and it was an odd thing to sit back in a uh, teacher's college full of 21-year-olds and look around and go, wait a second, you're going to teach? What do you know? <laughs> so, I don't really know what point. it's worth. That, I mean, there's some fantastic teachers that come out at that age, but uh, I know I'm a better teacher because I spent 10 years traveling the world and being a roadie and things so you were a roadie for a band uh i was a video production roadie yeah for 
Underworld, The Chemical Brothers, Nine Inch Nails, and a few others. So. Really? Wow. Ah, terrific. It's my, my thing. <laughs> cool. no, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think the best teachers I've ever known have been ones who left teaching, did something else, and came back. Yeah. Or did something first and then started later. Um, I, yeah. Or they went out and, 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 and they taught someplace else in the world. And I always got to be careful when I say that because there are some excellent teachers who you know knew from day one they wanted to be a teacher and they, they went to teach college and they're amazing. But they're the exception yeah. rather than the rule in my experience. I'll probably get emails about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you covered yourself pretty well with that one. <laughs> Uh, I came to teaching as a mature agent student too. I did my um, science degree um, straight out of uni and then spent 10 years travelling and working and different things, had children and and teaching is now my passion. Now, I've done a lot of other things and I know it's a good job. Yep. I wouldn't, but, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I was mature, but yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might as well give my backstory then too because uh, – uh, I'm I'm one of those who um, didn't really know what to do once I uh, finished uh, year 12. Actually, I failed year 12, so then I had to do, go and do something else and found out that I failed that one too. So then I went back to do year 12 again uh, and then uh, couldn't figure out what I was going to do with my life except um, at that particular time they actually paid you to become uh, to train as a teacher. So that sounded too too good. So for all the right reasons, I became a teacher. <laughs> and apparently it took, huh? Nothing else to do and I'll pay you to do it. So, so there's a secret. If you fail at everything else, you can be a teacher. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Somehow I don't like that. <laughs> I know uh, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a, a teacher since I was knee-high to a Coke bottle. And uh, it was one of these things where, you know, I, I was I, – I got into being a high school. My dad convinced me I should be a, a lawyer and I failed for the first two years of my undergraduate degrees. <laughs> And uh, got back into teaching, and it's it's just been my passion ever since. Although I had the opportunity to be a visiting professor down at, uh, in Malaysia for a year, and one of the things we have here in um, at the University of Northern Iowa is the students can do their student teaching elsewhere. They don't have to do it in Iowa. I think we've got opportunities in almost all fifty states and even internationally. And I keep telling the students, leave, leave, don't do it here. Go out and get some more experience and come on back and, and teach if you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not such bad advice, really. No. We, we, yeah, I, I've actually, uh, at, um, at the school I used to work at, we um, had a number of uh, students from states. I think actually somebody might have come from, I think Reagan, Reagan, one of my students who was in my room came from Iowa. Uh, really? Seems to ring a bell. Yeah, yeah. And, um yeah, had a fabulous time, and it was great because uh, it was not only the the, the, the teaching experience and um, looking at a system in a different way and, and all of that sort of stuff, but it was also the uh, the cultural social experience that that, that she had as well and uh, took back and and everything and uh, yeah, that was great fun, both ways. Yeah, we even sent some of them down to Texas, and they they have a completely different experience <laughs> down there. Did they come back? <laughs> Believe it or not, they pay twice as much down there as to what we pay here. A oh. uh, starting teacher here in Iowa begins at twenty-seven thousand dollars, and down there they were starting at forty-three. Wow! Yeah! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, wow! Twenty-seven thousand. Oh. Um, how much do you guys? That's what, make that's what you do to attract good people. Exactly. Are you guys starting higher or lower down there? Uh, higher. Well, I would think. Yeah. I don't know. It's been a while since I've started. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it was about 40 in Victoria. Yeah. A bit more, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And given parity and everything else, that's... Uh, mm. Yeah, it was 30-something when I started, difference. but that was 20-something years ago, so... I don't know. My first, my first job, I was making six hundred and twenty-five dollars a month, and you and probably I, thought I was it only was making, great. I was making six twenty. It was a private school, and I was making six twenty-five because I, instead of five seventy-five, because I was um, doing uh, morning and afternoon uh, yard duty too. <laughs> boy, I remember the days, and boy, yeah. we like back in the day. I used to wear an onion on my belt. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of the reasons I left being a roadie because I didn't want to be the 50-year-old who told stories about the good old days. But <laughs> Back when I hung out with the dead. <laughs> We've been uh, participating in the Teacher's Blogging Challenge over the past couple of weeks and one of the interesting About Me pages had uh, to me when I was a Year 7 student and then me now. I thought that was a nice way to uh, get kids involved in, yes, your teacher was a student once too. And can you pick them in the class photo? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's a good idea. I've just started doing the, the teacher challenge one. Oh, good, Tim. Yeah, it's been fun. I've really enjoyed so far. Today's, um, what is that? Uh, the Edu bloggers have uh, supported a teacher's blogging challenge um, and twice a week they've got activities for um, both beginners and advanced bloggers. Oh, I've uh, oh it's been it's all been yeah. happening. I think Google Teachers Blogging Challenge, um, kickstart your blog. But John Pearscarry that got me too involved in doing this photo a day business. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah the three sixty five does that already. Rick Bridget's yeah. got uh, the blue ren on the uh, on the on the go today. One of those impossible shops to get. Yeah, mm. they're too just too far away, those wrens. Um, yeah, today's blogging challenge was uh, about avatars and uh, the different. Is that why you have that on your on your blog? Yep. You have yep. yeah, that whole posting there. Yep, that's my uh, blogging challenge for today. Um, mm-hmm. Ten different ways to create an avatar. It's mm-hmm. better than Botox avatars. <laughs> Everybody's skinny in, in, in Second Life. <laughs> Okay, well, look at that blogging challenge. It sounds like fun. Yeah, I'm glad it's in the holidays because I don't think I could keep up uh, during school time. <laughs> All right, good ideas, though. Good ideas. Um, anyway, guys, well, we're, we're kind of, uh, would you believe, we've been going for 50 minutes or so, so it's um, not bad for an impromptu chat. Oh, it's By the way, what fun, time Chris? is it down there? Uh, it's uh, half past 12 in the afternoon where I am. Oh, I've got 7.38 here at, at night. <laughs> and it would probably be about half past two where you are, Tim, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's right. yeah. There you go. And, Tim, are you on holidays for another couple of weeks? Another couple of weeks? Um, yeah, I, I'm in, I'm in cl- my classroom at the moment. I've had to move rooms this year, so I'm sort of surrounded by boxes. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> we remember it well. Well, it's quite good, actually. You sort of get to throw out all that stuff that's just been sitting in boxes, so it's been quite useful for me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we're back on about Feb 1st, I think, and then the first day back of school is – or the first day the students are here is Feb 4th, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. I had to move offices, and then, God, you're, you're right. You get rid of a lot of junk, don't you? <laughs> Catharsis. Yeah. I pick up Something I wanted to ask <laughs> people about moving your uh, resources to the clouds um, – it's a slow process, and how do people go about uh, sort of getting that messy desk um, in an organised way up into uh, the clouds? 
You mean like in the Google Docs and that sort of thing? Or what? Well, yeah, Google Docs. I don't know whether people use Evernote or Dropbox or what people are using so that they can <sighs> access it. Um, yeah, I'm a big Dropbox fan. I love mm-hmm. Dropbox. Mm-hmm. I try and Do love you- Evernote. I still, I haven't quite. I don't even know. I'm not in love with Evernote yet. I like it. I use it, but uh, it's okay. It's good. Uh, Judy O'Connell came on this morning and reminded uh, people about SugarSync. SugarSync's got five gigs as opposed to um, Dropbox with the two plus whatever you can winkle out of people by subscribing. Well. <laughs> and I, what I didn't realise the other day, and I, again, I got it from Judy's blog, was um, if you there's a page on the Dropbox website you can go to which asks you to simply confirm that you own a .edu email address. Yes, yeah. And so long as you can confirm that and reply to the, the, the confirmation, they will double all of the extra um, space that's given. So I, I've got, I think, seven and a half gig or something at the moment. Oh, my gosh. And, and if you do every little thing you can do to get the extra space, you can apparently get it up to 19 gig for free. Wow. So Got to say you're sold, though. Sell out all your friends. It's a bit like Tupperware. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I might put a link to that in the blog. <laughs> That's like Tupperware? <laughs> no, 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 no. Sign up with my Dropbox thing and I'll oh, yeah. space. But they get space right. too, so it's win-win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what you really need to do is you need to put one of those little th- thermometers going up the left-hand side to see if they can get you up to 16 gigs or 19 gigs. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. And it even lets you track it. You go to the website and you can track who's, who you've sent invitations to, who's responded, who's actually signed up. And I was... I was distressed to find out that I sent one to my partner and she didn't sign up for it. <laughs> she signed up for it with someone else. <laughs> Cause of much consternation in the household. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so the cloud, uh, it's, um, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know about you. I've got so much stuff that cloud backup. I, I, I pay for an account with, um, what, the, what are they called? Uh, Carbonite, which is an online backup thing. And, you get unlimited backup space for that. But, like, I've currently got about 36 gig waiting to back up. Yeah, I'm going to ask something stupid. Why do you need to get it up on the cloud? Uh, the three, two, one backup rule, mate. Three copies on two different mediums, at least one off-site. Okay, so it's not a matter of you need to access it, you know, on nah. a daily basis. Nah. It's the, merely the, a place where you can put it to store it. For me, it's uh, the, the Carbonite stuff is all my photos and stuff that I just – if my computer died – uh, I just wouldn't want to lose all that stuff. So, photos, music, uh, videos, all that stuff goes into the cloud, where I know that someone else is looking after the backup of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we are probably just about out of time. I think I said that before. Um, we should wrap it up. Well, thanks for inviting me. This is great. No worries. Thanks for dropping in, guys. I really appreciate it. We'll just quick, quick run through Lee. Where can we find you on the web? Sure, I'm at Dr. Z Reflex. That's R E F L E C T S dot com. Okay, Dr. Z Reflex. Z or mm-hmm. Z, depending on where in the world. Yeah, Dr. Z. <laughs> <laughs> or Dr. Who. I don't know. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. Cool. We'll put it in the show notes anyway. I'll get you to send me a, a, a text or a link or an email or whatever communication method we can <laughs> decide upon, um, just with some contact details, and I'll stick it in the blog. Um, John, where can we find you? Uh, johnp.wordpress.com Excellent. And also doing a little bit of consultancy these days with your company, Salty Solutions. I'll, I'll give you the free plug even if you're, you won't. <laughs> with Salty, yeah, yeah, with old, good old Salty, yep, yep. 
Yeah, all over the place, all over the shop, literally. There you go. Um, and, and I should just say, John, am I allowed to tell what you're doing now? Your new little uh, venture? Oh, yeah, 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 that's fine, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John's actually just taken over uh, as the um, uh, community liaison officer, for want of a better term, um, for Global Teacher and Edublogs. Well, mainly Global, global Teacher, isn't it? Global, global teacher. Student, Global Teacher, yeah. Global Student, which, Global Teacher. Yes, yes. Which Brett, Brett is a big fan of. Yeah, fabulous, yeah, John. Oh, yeah. that's great, great to know. So John is another Sue Waters, basically. Um, yeah, I, I, refer, I, do, I defer to Sue and uh, refer to her constantly now. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's on speed dial in Skype. So there you go. Wow. If you're <laughs> yeah. listening to this, she uses Global Teacher or Global Student and you need some help and assistance, John's the guy you'll be dealing with. So thanks, John. Uh, Tim, Chris. Tim, Tim, what, what about you? Yep, um, my blog, such as it is, as it stumbles into creation with the Teacher Challenge, uh, is continue, or one word, .edublogs.org. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's in my – basically, the name comes from um, a poem that was uh, – I was reading a, a magazine in an obituary about um, Murray Clay, uh, who's a rather famous ah, reading recovery person. Ah, Murray uh, Clay, yes. And, I did reading uh, recovery training too. Yeah, yep, said a lot. And uh, this was, I think, my first year of teaching and I reading a poem and it's called Continue and, and then I found out sort of a week later that she was actually my second cousin, wow. which was uh, <laughs> once removed or something, so that's why the name came about. But it's, uh, I think as I just said there, I've just sort of started writing my blog in a bit more seriousness, one of those resolution things. Cool. Um, but yeah, there it is. All right, well, it's good to connect. And finally, Britt. Yeah, I'm at Britt Gow at globalteacher.org.au and uh, my Twitter address is just Britt Gow with two Ts. Um, thanks, Chris, John, Lee, Tim, for the conversation today. It's been fabulous. Yeah, it has been good. Yeah, it's been really mm-hmm. interesting. And mm-hmm. Indeed. As usual, flip-flopped around and covered a lot of ground, but it's all been good. <laughs> no Great. worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. It's been excellent. Cheers. Thank you. Ciao. You can find the show notes for this episode and every other episode over at virtualstaffroom.net, which is a blog to support this podcast that dates all the way back to 2006. You'll find every episode, every show note all there. Um, We also have a Facebook presence these days, and you can find us on Facebook just by searching for the Virtual Staff Room Podcast. Uh, So, yeah, see you over there. Uh, You've been listening to the Virtual Staff Room. Thanks so much. My name's Chris Betcher. Catch you next time.